0: Well, hey, give the production team a hand for that video. That's awesome. Love the stuff they do, and I'm really good at it, and I appreciate that. Um, I also want to thank Kristen for inviting me to sing specifically this morning to the Tone Deaf um, I appreciate that. I I've not been invited so much like that, so it's awesome. Um, I, uh, I yeah, I had my debut and finale all in one week in singing. Very weeks, weeks and years ago. Uh, yeah, I never got invited back. So um, it's all. But here's what I do know: that when I turn up the sound in my truck, regardless of the the, the genre, I sound just like them. I want you to know. So anyway. Um, Well, welcome, my name is uh, Mr. Bill. I'm the pastor of Student Ministries. I get the privilege of working with middle school and high school students and doing life with Jesus with them, which is awesome. And I love being able to do it, it's great. Um, and so uh, I just am honored to be able to bring you to, uh, the message today. You know, uh, last uh, Bob, you know, he, you know, he gave me this passage. I said, oh, yeah, sure. You get to raise the dead. And I have to talk about the people who want to kill Jesus. And I said, "Now," nah, And I said, but don't you think you're too good because you're not raising the dead. You're just doing the passage, okay? You're good, but you're not that good. Anyway, so uh, I'm honored to be able to do that today. I love being able to um, speak the word of God whenever I get the chance um, Anyway, so we've been going through the book of John and the theme for the book of John, I love when, you know, right in the book, they tell you this is what the book's about, right? I love it when they do that. It's like, oh, this is great. I can figure this out. So John chapter 20, verse 31, it says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so that's been the whole theme of the book of John. We see it throughout the book all over. And so as I was studying this passage, getting ready to prepare to teach today, I couldn't get away from the issues of the heart that show up. And it reminded me of a friend of mine named Art Spanger that I knew years ago. Art was a friend of mine that we used to do Bible studies with. And we would meet weekly with Art. And Art would, uh, we'd meet at his house. And uh, as we were meeting, you know, I kept noticing Art just seemed like lacking energy. And, and every once in a while I'd ask him, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. And finally, he's looking, he's just not looking good. I said, Art, you should probably go to the doctor. You know how guys are, you know. Anyway, so... Um, But finally his wife talked him into going to the doctor, and sure enough, they found out that his heart was going bad and that he was going to be needed to be placed on a, a list for a heart transplant so that he could be able to get one. Well, so we be, those, those Bible studies also became more of a prayer meetings as well as we began praying for our, and he kept getting weaker and weaker, and, and man, he just didn't look good, and even towards the end, you know, he was still wanting us to come over, but uh, he, uh, he was just almost, almost just had to lay on the couch the whole time when we had our studies, and, and uh, as he got weaker and weaker, we continued to pray, but then finally, um, you know, and, and you know, it's a weird way to pray, Right? Because as you're praying for a heart donation, what that means is somebody's got to die, right? And so we would pray and we would pray. And sure enough, soon this, uh, uh, the phone call came and they said, Art, get to the hospital. We had, there was an accident. We have a donor. Um, it's time for you to have your heart transplant. And so they did this surgery. He had his heart transplant and he was a new man. It was, he could breathe. He could talk. He had energy again. He could think straight again. All those kind of things because he had a new heart. And I want to talk to us today about our hearts and the conditions of our heart. You know, uh, there's a verse in um, Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It says this, the heart is deceitful above all things. Man, I just wish I didn't experience that so much. I believe things that that I wish I hadn't believed, you know, like I sound really good in the truck singing. there's, but there's other things that I believe that I go, man, this is not true. And our hearts deceive us at times. And we need to have God work on our hearts. And so today, you know, we titled today's message Heart Conditions in the Gospel because we see a whole bunch of heart conditions as the the time now is coming for Jesus to be betrayed and to and to, to give his life. And so um, we're going <clears> to <throat> read from John. But before we do that, I'd like us to pray together. Would you Just pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for being a good dad. Thank you for being in control, even when we're not. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins, for rising from the dead, for giving me faith to believe. Thank you, and Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that you would guide us in truth. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, amen. I'm gonna be reading from John chapter 11, verses 45 to 57, you can follow along on the screen, or if you have your Bibles, or if you have an app, uh, you can follow along, but I'm gonna be reading it. Beginning in verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Some of them, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest of the year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize it is better that for you that one man die for the people than for the whole nation. He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, <clears throat> he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one, so that from that, day on, so from that day on they plotted to take his life. Therefore Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead he withdrew to a region near the wilderness to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, what do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so they might arrest him. Heart condition. So let's break down this section here, or this passage. I want to begin by, the first thing we see is we see open hearts. <clears throat> it says in verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews had come who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. You know, I've always been taught whenever you see a therefore, you're always supposed to ask, "What's it?" Therefore, yes, yeah, exactly right. What's it there for? Because it it has to do with something preceding, right? And so we learn that. And so you know, what is the therefore? Therefore, well, it was because. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead and it caused them to believe which by the way was the purpose. Three times in chapter 11 we see this. In verse 14 it says so that you may believe. In verse 27 I believe you are the Christ. And in verse 40 it says if you believed. All these things again point to the theme of the book of John don't they? Whenever the message of the gospel is communicated, it has the power to lead people to believe, and that's why it's so important that we communicate the gospel verbally. Yes, people should see that we live it out. You know that I know I've heard that saying. You know, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. That's true. But let me change it too. Preach the gospel at all times. It's necessary. Use words. You need both. And we need to be able to share the, God, the good news of Jesus with people. These people had seen the miracles that Jesus had done, the feedings, the healings, and now the raising of the dead. And they had concluded that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And now that they had life in his name. This is, by the way, this is the purpose of Jesus coming. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, "I have, The Son of Man has come to seek seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus' purpose in his being coming, was to seek and to save the lost. Which by the way, all of us are until we come to know Christ, right? That is our condition, that is where everybody starts. We all start lost. Nobody is born physically a Christian. We have to believe and receive. So we all start lost. So Jesus came to seek and to save every one of us, right? So we all start there. John 1 12 says this to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, open hearts man, God is looking for open hearts to believe. The sad part is that that's not going to happen. The scripture is clear that not everyone is going to believe. And that's what brings us to our second uh, part is that closed hearts, verses 46 to 48. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Don't you just love a tattletale? You know? Anyway, the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here's this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So they went and told the... The, the leaders, and the leaders went to the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin would be like the equivalent of our Supreme Court. So it's like the Jewish Supreme Court at the time. So previous to this, this is a big change in the, in the life and ministry of Jesus, because previous to this, you've got mobs and you've got people who are, some of them are turning against Jesus. But now you've got the leadership of the land who's gonna turn on him. And that's going, to be, that's going to be what causes all this, okay? And so that's what's happening here. The leaders are turning against him. Now, you got to love some of this. It says, <clears throat> what, you know, uh, what are we accomplishing? You know, that's the equivalent of, you know, what we're doing isn't working. This guy won't shut up. That's what it's the equivalent of. What are we accomplishing? We're not, this isn't working, okay? And then you've got to notice the motive, okay? If we let him go on like this, okay? You mean like raising the dead? Oh, that's terrible. Don't let him do that. If we let him go on like this, okay? Everyone will believe, oh boy, it's getting worse now, right? Everyone will believe. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation, aha! Now we see the real motive, right? They're not concerned about people. What they're really concerned about is control. Did you catch that? These people are not, these are not, they're not concerned about people, they're concerned about control, okay? So side note here. If you're a part of a religious organization that's that's concerned more about control than people, run, right? Don't be a part of it. I'm thankful for Grace Church that really I feel is concerned about people. We're concerned about souls. We're concerned about those who need Jesus and and, and the needs and and all those wants that we have. We are concerned. But they were concerned about control here. These leaders, again, and when your heart, and by the way, when your heart is closed, okay, resurrecting someone even isn't going to change it, right? Bringing somebody back from the dead if your heart is closed because you've already made up your mind and you're not going to change your mind. got a close heart. These leaders had a political agenda, whereas Jesus had a spiritual agenda. So here's another side note, right? Okay. Can we be about the gospel? Can believers in Jesus be about the gospel? All those other things, man, they're not going to matter at the end. Can we be about the gospel and bring some love to the people around us? We'll address that even a little more later. Well, once you have a closed heart, the natural progression is the next part, and that's a hardened heart. Verses 49 to 50. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that this is better for you, that one man die for the people, than that the whole nation perish? Now, on the surface, Caiaphas sounds like a pretty nice, that's a pretty nice statement. But you know what, Caiaphas is not on Jesus' side. Caiaphas is one that's leading the way to get him uh, put to death. And so we're gonna, you know, in John's writings, John has this, this, this deal about having dual meanings in a lot of his writings, Okay. Um, and you know what? Prophecy is a lot like that, you know? Uh, sometimes I really, because I believe in the inspiration of scripture and God gives it, I believe sometimes that some of the people who wrote down what they what, what, that were the scriptures that we read, didn't even know what they were saying. You know, I look at when, when John tried to describe the vision of heaven and Ezekiel described, tried to describe the vision of heaven. And they're like, man, there was spinning wheels and they were spinning this way and it's a wheel that's all the way around. I'm like, what kind of a wheel is this? And there are sparks flying and, and you're like, yeah, nice try. You know, good, you know but, but the thing is, they're trying to describe the indescribable, right? They're trying to describe what's hard, you know, God, who's indescribable. And so you have this dual meaning sometimes going on here, and that's what's going on right here. So we're gonna jump to the next section and talk about both this and that one because after a hardened heart, you see God's heart. Verse 51, he did not say this on his own but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Caiaphas has had a hardened and selfish heart and he wants Jesus dead. And he's one of the people that's most directly responsible for seeing that happen. And what he is saying is quite opposite of what God is prophesying. And here's what's being said. What Caiaphas is saying in a nutshell is, let's kill Jesus so the Romans won't kill us. Whereas what God means is he's saying, I'll kill my son so I don't have to kill you. Did you catch that? What Caiaphas is trying to say is let's kill Jesus so we'll have a good relationship with the Romans and they won't kill us. But what Jesus is, what God is saying in this passage is, you know what, I'm gonna kill my son so I don't have to kill you. Because at the center of the gospel is substitution. Right? Center of the gospel is substitution. My sin put on Jesus. Jesus' righteousness put on me. It's a substitute, right? Ephesians, not Ephesians, excuse me. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what God does. He takes my sin, puts it on Jesus, and punishes Jesus. And he takes Jesus' perfectness, puts it on me, and says, believe and come in, Right? Man, that's a big deal. That's a good deal. And you know what you do with a good deal, right? You tell everybody, right? I know. I hear them like, hey, you know, you got to get over to Kohl's. Or you got to, you know, right? They're having, you know, 30% off and then you get a coupon and you get more percent off, right? I know. Some of you ladies know this, okay? <laughs> All right. But you hear a good deal. You share it, right? We buy, you know, we get a, you know, buy a new vehicle. And we're like, Man, I got this for the, you're telling everybody the good deal you got man, God took my sin, placed it on Jesus, punished him and gave me his perfectness and says, you're welcome to the family. And I placed my faith in him. That's the best deal we'll ever have. You're not gonna find that at the mall. You're not gonna find it at the Minnesota State Fair. Okay, you're not gonna find it on Amazon and you're not gonna find it on eBay. Okay, or anywhere. Never, never, never a good deal such as that. And that's because at the heart of the gospel is substitution. Well, <clears throat> the last sentence in this section from that says, from that day on, they plotted to take Jesus' life. Which brings us to our final point. They began to looking for Jesus. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed and his, with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. And as they stood in the temple courts, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so that they might arrest him. Up till now, we've read over and over that it hasn't been Jesus' time, it hasn't been Jesus' time, but it's about to be his time. And it's going to be a whole new deal. <clears throat> Same is true of you and I. You know what? God has a purpose for our lives. For us in daily living and fulfilling those things. Until our time comes to part, and until it's that time, we have those things as well. So what? What? So this is where we do, like, application part, okay? Because I'm a big, you know, be doers of the word, not just hearers, right? And we want to apply what we learned. Information without application brings no transformation, okay? And so we want to be changed, and God came to give transformation, came to change ours from the inside out. And so I just have a few questions. The first one that that begs our question is, why are you looking for Jesus? Why are you looking for Jesus? Why am I looking for Jesus? There's, there's many reasons, right? There's many reasons we, we look for Jesus. You know, maybe we've gone through something tough and we need strength and we need comfort. God are, is our refuge and strength, Psalm 46.1, an ever-present help in time of need. We look to him for strength, right? We look to him for guidance. You know, Proverbs 16 talks about you know, giving our plans to the Lord. And so we look to him for guidance, right? Man, when we're freaking out about stuff and we got all this anxiety and we just got, I just got to barf it all on the Lord. I know that sounds kind of gross, but I just got to go, this is all yours. I, what does it say in, in, in the scripture? It says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And literally in one of the translations, it says, because you are his foremost concern. And so we come to Jesus for all kinds of reasons and many of them are good, but there's some, sometimes it can be bad. Do we ever come to Jesus in unbelief? Of course we do. But what is it that we reason to we come to Jesus? I, I just have a few things I wrote down here. Is your heart closed? You've heard amazing things about Jesus, but you've already made up your mind not to believe? Man, I, I, can I just tell you, I get it because I've been there. That was the first 21 years of my life. I just, I heard things about God and I said, whatever, you know, not interested. Don't believe it. I've been there. Or worse yet, maybe you're here today and you've hardened your heart. Something hard has happened in your life and you don't understand and you're mad at God. Man, I hear that so often. You know, a lot of, a lot of people I talk to that tell me they're atheists. You know what I find out is I, I begin to, what do you mean by that? And I begin to ask them a lot of them grew up in a Christian home and they got mad. Something happened and they got mad at God. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And they have let their heart get hardened. Maybe you're here this morning and your heart is open and receptive. And this is the first time maybe you've heard the good news of Jesus. And this is an opportunity for you to believe and receive and become a new creation. If anyone's in Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. You know, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved and you can start a new life with Jesus and it'd be awesome, right? And then we'll baptize you next Sunday, right? Right here. And that'd be awesome. John 6, in, earlier in John, he says, I tell you the truth, he who believes in me has eternal life. You can believe today. Regardless of where your heart is today, Man, I pray that it'll be open. We need teachable hearts. That's a great character quality that we need to have is a teachable heart. And we always need to think, well, I could be wrong. Now, not about salvation, but there's other things we could be wrong about. We need teachable hearts. Why not bring up a picture of, of Dustin and his family? This is my wife and I. With this is at Cafe Rio in Colorado, um, with Dustin, and then that's his wife right there on the left, Karina, and that's their little boy, Elijah. And what a wonderful picture that is. That was about a year ago. I um, want to just bring him up because Dustin was a I, I, it was when I was in Colorado. He for all his high school years, freshman all the way up through senior year, led worship for us. Also, he was also part of our, uh, you know, our, our worship team was FUEL, was uh, focused upon eternal life, because we love acronyms. Um, and then uh, he was also part of FIRE, which was uh, faith in real examples. He was a part of pouring into other students, you know, being a, a disciple and mentor to them. Uh, just so uh, loved the Lord, lived for the Lord, told others about the Lord, just an amazing young man. And then after he graduated, Gene and I, we just became friends, you know, well, his senior year, he started bringing this cute little girl around, and we're like, ooh, he's all googly eyes, this is good, you know? <laughs> anyway, um, and they ended up getting married, have a little boy, and, um, you know, it, it was just a lot of fun. Whenever we'd go back, we'd, they'd, we'd get with them, it was just a lot of fun. Well, this past week, I was in Colorado to do his celebration of life. Dustin took and his wife and their little boy went with a few other members of their family down to Florida for a vacation. And maybe you heard about this, but they had just been out on the beach, on Miami Beach, and they went back and were eating at a restaurant right there along the beach. And a guy high on drugs come running down the street with a gun and pointed it right at Dustin's little boy. Dustin said, he's only a boy, and he turned to cover him and got shot three times in the back. And he died a hero, saving his boy. Senseless, uh, horrific, he can't come up with enough words. And you just sit there going, God, what are you doing? I'm going, God, I don't know what you're doing. I know you're too loving to ever be unkind. I know you're too wise to ever make a mistake. And I know you're too strong to ever not be able to step in and do something. So I can trust you, but I don't understand why. And so we were there for the celebration of life and the graveside and to, to just love on their family. And I say this because we think we have a lot of time. And there's an urgency. There's an urgency that people need to hear about Jesus. And I want you to think now, right now, about that one person or two people in your life that you know that don't know Jesus. I want you to think about them right now. about a month ago, I wrote a letter to one of those students that I I knew that had told me that, you know, I know I, you, you saw me come to student ministry quite a bit, um, and uh, but I'm not a believer. I believe in science, and I was like, you know, they don't have to disagree. You know, I know science gets a bad rap, but it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> um, but she just says, I just wanted to tell you. I said, thank you for telling me that, and I asked her a lot of questions, and we talked, and and so I wrote her a letter about a month ago, sharing my faith story, um, telling her, you know, uh, about Jesus. And uh, didn't hear back from her. Uh, she showed up at the, the celebration of life because Dustin led worship every time she came. And uh, then the next day, she sent me a text. Said, hey, I'm working at the coffee shop. Uh, can you swing by today if you get a chance? right I am you know I'm like yeah I'll swing by um, and I swung by and you know we um, it was swamped, so I had to wait for about 45 minutes before it slowed down um, and then she could, Then she took a little bit of a break and she came home. we sat at the table and we talked and she just had a lot of questions and I answered them as best I could and talked to her about Jesus and salvation and she's not there yet but she's I have to tell you, I feel like she has an open heart, right? And I'm praying for her. She's an amazing young lady. She's like a senior in high school. And when she graduates, she will have have finished three years of college. Yeah, I don't know where those people come from. That is not from my genes, okay? Uh, You know, but they exist. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, Wonderful young lady and praying for her. But maybe you have somebody. And I'm going to encourage you this week. So I always do two things. I want to give a deep and a wide every week. You know, it's about knowing Jesus, that's deep, making him known, that's wide. In student ministry, that's what we do. And that's what I like us to do is give you one so you can go both ways each week. And by the way, if you're looking for a place to serve, this is my shameless plug. Teenagers are awesome to pour into. I love, love, love working with teens, students. They are world and game changers. And there's so much potential. And helping them head in the right direction is awesome. And getting to partner with parents and do all that is an awesome thing. So at the Info Hub afterwards, you you sign up. Anyway, (laughs) Um, because we need help because we have a lot of students, okay? But here's your deep. Dustin's dad, who did the service, who did an amazing job talking about his son. I did the, I helped with the service, and then I did the graveside, but he did the service. He had us read. He read out loud 1 Corinthians 13. He says, I want you to put Dustin's name in there. So I want you to think about this, putting yourself in there today, and I'm gonna read it like it's talking about me. Lord, help me to be patient. Help me to be kind. Help me not to want what everybody else has or brag about what I've got. Give me humility, Lord. Help me to honor others. Help me not to be so self-seeking. Help me not to get angry. Don't let me keep track of who's hurt me. Help me to delight in you and rejoice in the truth. Help me to protect. Help me to trust. Help me to hope. Help me to persevere. Isn't that what our world needs? Us living that kind of life. So that's the deep. Here's the wide. The person you were thinking about, get a hold of them this week. Maybe send them a text. And it, maybe it's something simple as, How can I pray for you? Maybe it's just a question, you know, if you could ask God one thing, what would it be? well you find out a lot from people just asking that question. Because usually I ask them, Of all the questions in the world, why'd you ask that one? and then you'll find out what's going on in their life, okay? Maybe write them a note, call them, FaceTime, whatever it takes. I'm gonna challenge you to begin that conversation with them. Because they're worth it. And we never know when somebody's gonna come running down the street with a gun. And we never know. It could be us. I mean, I'm all I never usually think why them. I usually think, why not me? I'm, you know, <laughs> I could be anywhere and anybody could get me. All of us like, maybe what we need to pray is like art needing a transplant. Maybe that's what we all need. So I'm gonna pray for us now, and I want you to pray with me. Would you do that? Father, I want to pray what David prayed, that you would create in me a clean heart, that you would renew a right spirit, and that you would restore me to the joy of your salvation. God, you are bigger than I think you are. And man, my doubts and fears, they don't scare you. Jesus, thank you for paying the price for my sin, for dying on the cross, for rising again, and for giving me faith to believe and receive. God, I pray for anyone in here, if they've never placed their faith in you for the forgiveness of sins in eternal life, that today that that would happen. And they would be a new creation. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. And that's encourage and convict us. In Jesus' name we pray and give thanks, amen.